Welcome to the Bedpost Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Erin Fim. Here at the podcast, I like to invite guests and performers from my stage show Bedpost that I do here in Toronto and beyond into the studio to have a more in-depth conversation with me. And this week, I have a super sultry, sexy guest, burlesque performer and scholar, Sultana. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> so you're a burlesque performer, a super well-known bur- burlesque performer here in Toronto. <laughs> wow. I, I mean, I'm glad to know that, you know, like, I'm because I'm still fairly new. So yeah. I, I, I mean, not, not super new. Anymore. There's a Certainly the point comes when you stop considering yourself like a, no. a, like a fresh face or yeah. something. Um, and so we're not there anymore. But, you know, like it's it's nice to know that like I'm I've been I established. Guess, like, yeah. You know, and that yeah. I've made a mark that people think is like impactful or interesting. Oh, man, for sure you have. Yeah. Um, and also with that, though, you are studying your Ph.D. Mm-hmm. When you told me this, I was like. You can do that. You said, I'm studying my PhD, my PhD and my dissertation is on burlesque and eroticism. I was mm-hmm. like, what now? Well, it's actually, it's actually on burlesque and exoticism and exotica. Yes. So, um, the, and I mean, it's a, it's a shifting project. Like I'm still trying to figure out a lot of things about it because I'm still in the early half of my PhD. Yeah. Uh, but basically I study through a drama theater and performance studies department. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are actually there are other people who do what I do too to different capacities. Um, another performer named Loretta Dream, uh, Loretta Jean yes. is a she's a nerdless performer. Yes, super 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 popular. Sure. Yeah, she's yeah. A, she's a cool chick, and she's also writing her uh, doctorate at the same place I am. Very cool. And she writes about nerdlesque specifically. Wow. Yeah, like, totally. Wow. So that, it's, a, it's a whole culture. Like, it's a whole thing you can yeah. do. Yeah, for real. <laughs> I'm probably going to be going to a conference. Um, in uh, November, I believe it's next fall, and there's a there's a whole panel at that conference just about burlesque and ethics research. So like, Ooh. very cool stuff. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, yeah. So do you know? I I suppose you know a lot about like the history of burlesque and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, Ugh. I really do. It's one of those things where it's um, it's so exciting to talk about, but it's also like, as much as I know where to start, it's kind of like where to contain it. Um, hmm. but yeah, like I know like um. Burlesque is like a is a really old form. Like people and people contest where it starts, but I mean, there's arguments that say that it goes back as far as ancient Greece. Um, a more popular uh, sort of like starting point for what we think of maybe as like burlesque proper mm-hmm. uh, is um, when a troupe called Lydia Thompson and the British Blondes, who were um, from England, came to uh, to the states to perform in 1868. So that's like super, super, wow. super old. Yeah, yeah. And uh, burlesque plays at the time were super different than like the strip shows that we can think of today. Um, they were really they were more like a kind of like a pantomime, like a dirty kind of adult pantomime. Okay. So by pa- pa- even pantomime, mm-hmm. like is that like clownish? True. Yeah, like- yeah. I should explain further. Yeah. So it's like you know like. Um, uh, ornate set, something much more like a play. Yes. Uh, really, really farcical. Yeah. Um, they're sort of stock characters. Yeah. But um, where it was really just like, you know, a little bit pervy. And a little dirty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I mean, and also like what was interesting about Lydia Thompson and the British Blondes was how disturbing they were for people in the Victorian era. Oh. Because um, there was a tradition of actresses playing uh, 
what we would call like breeches or breeches rolls. So yes. there'd be women in like, you know, pants and stuff like that. Women um, wearing pants. Yeah, exactly, right? Breeches. Yeah. But, it, but at the time, like that was like to wear pants was to show your body. So it was like a really sort of shocking sexual display. Interesting. And Lydia Thompson, the blondes took that even further because um, on top of playing these breeches roles, they were also kind of like gender bending, which was super radical for the time. Yes. So they would wear these like these breeches or breeches, but they would also be like corseted with their bosom kind of showing in the, in the outfit or they would be wearing like other things that would simultaneously be showing their feminine form while playing really masculine parts. So it's it's interesting, like from the very beginning, drag has been a really big element of burlesque. Of burlesque. Yeah, Yeah, because they are closely related. Totally about it. Like for me, when I kind of think of what burlesque is, I'm a burlesque performer as well. Um I kind of think of it as if I'm in female drag, mm-hmm. like I'm like a bio queen, mm-hmm. like like I'm amplifying amplifying my own femininity to a point of like a drag level, mm-hmm. like because it's so uh, it's so pushed, yeah. you know. Just like well, I mean, there are a thousand different types of drag, uh, sure. you know, nowadays. But um, a lot of types of drag are just are amplifying femininity, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, to me, I can totally see parallels between the two. Yeah, I mean, like, and I think a lot of contemporary bio queens, like a lot of them, have started in burlesque or have worked through burlesque, like burlesque proper or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. um, because I think at a certain point in time, there maybe just wasn't the same kind of language, like as, like feminine drag for a while felt very exclusive like the the really like the dominant narrative was that it was you know like cis men who would dress up in this like effeminate kind of garb and that if you were a woman you just couldn't really do it or pull it off yeah um and so burlesque was a space where that was really invited but some people like i mean i think of like local performer Dottie dangerfield is a great example of someone who started in burlesque but really i mean all along really kind of just wanted to be a drag yeah has been doing drag yeah yeah, a, a biological female doing drag yeah female drag for sure and i think i think a lot of burlesque informs Dottie's aesthetic still that she is you know continuously raunchy that she is i mean she still does like sort of strip numbers she still like hones that kind of like very burlesque high effeminate camp that we see in a lot of like the early sort of 90s neo-burlesque figures Mm. um but she also is kind of like rocking and doing her own thing and lip singing and is like working a lot in like the, you know, the kind of like West End uh, drag community. So yeah. I think what she's done is fabulous. And she and I started like realistically kind of around the same time. I think she was maybe a year out longer than I was. Yeah. 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 That reminds me, actually. It's so funny. I um like for my birthday and things like that, I try to like get people that like aren't totally in like the sex sexuality burlesque or, you know, mm-hmm. sex club kind of our sex educator sphere. Mm-hmm. I, I get my friends that are kind of outside of that and I kind of like pull them in and like invite them to an event or something just mm-hmm. to be like, here's my world. <laughs> like, yeah. So uh, I feel like maybe five years ago, I just took a group of friends to Sinful Sundays um, oh God, at Cherry yeah. Cola's here yeah. in Toronto, which is a, a pretty awesome burlesque uh, venue and um for the first time a lot of people saw burlesque and uh my friend who is actually episode one of my podcast keelan Fiorello. <laughs> yeah um he uh when he saw it he's a gay dude mm-hmm. when he saw it he's like oh i get it it's drag but for straight people <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, kind of, uh, not like, exactly, but like, <laughs> like through your lens. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can see how you would think that. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> an interesting analysis. Yeah, I mean, I think I think um, 
what's been cool about burlesque is that if you look at its history, it's always kind of been pretty um, subversively queer. Like, I think that's the thing that gets yeah, erased a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, because it's also like, why do we think it's not queer, right? Like, we think mm-hmm. because where most people are seeing their first encounter with uh, with burlesque or like realistically the neo-burlesque movement they're seeing it through like really mainstream channels that forefront um, heteronormative feminine sexuality mm-hmm. um, so you're seeing like the you know the Christina Aguilera and Cher movie or right. you're seeing um, what else is like a good example of something like, like Dita oh my god or yeah or Dita, Dita who, who I mean like I mean I'm not actually I don't know if Dita is straight I know that Dita but she presents that very like tiny waist, mm-hmm. big boobs, alabaster, like skin. beautiful skin. Yeah, like there's nothing Hyper challenging. Feminine. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But what, what I mean, but even someone like uh, Dita Von Teese, mm-hmm. you know, I, I retract saying that someone like Dita Von Teese isn't challenging because I also think it's like where we've seen Dita Von Teese now versus when she started. Like yes. when Dita started, vintage wear was still considered like hyper fetish. Mm-hmm. Like that wasn't like a normal thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was doing like a lot of fetish like Dita Von Teese started as a porn star like why don't know why people always yeah like, we forget that yeah, yeah exactly yeah. and that Dita Dita and Catherine Delish who's also who's a huge name who I think gets erased in a lot of people's consciousness even though Catherine I would argue is really responsible for a lot of Dita's um, aesthetic, aesthetic and yeah. built so many of her costumes for so long yeah because Delish does like those gorgeous uh, like thousand robes, robes. Yes, I know. Yeah, I've looked at the prices because I'm like how much yeah. are these exactly yeah, and I'm yeah. like oh okay but like ostrich fe- gorgeous yeah, yeah. robes burlesque costume like, amazing yeah. like fur trim like these like super super you can also get vegan ones too now which yeah. is great yeah. but like you know like these super super opulent and those Vogue robes for her are like her like basic thing yeah that's like her like it's chill and I'm making this on like a Saturday afternoon <laughs> kind of thing um but yeah so Catherine and Dita at like an early teaserama which was an early burlesque show yeah did a really, really sort of like homoerotic, uh, like, you know, dual strip scene that really shocked and offended a lot of the other burlesque performers who were there. Wow. Like people, and people sort of forget that being a part, like a lot of people were like, this isn't burlesque or this is burlesque or we're ver- veering into pornography or like, can we allow? So like, I don't know. I think Dita's actually like a lot more transgressive than a lot of people give her credit for. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think she's learned to make herself like a sort of marketing mogul and knows mm-hmm. how to basically make money which to a degree is simplifying to like the common you know mainstream denominator of um beauty of beauty yeah and sales and like you know a neoliberal that's big word time you know like this kind of common idea that you can that yeah that's like individualist in nature that you can make yourself your best you that you that sort of acts as though everybody has the resources to like do it if they only try like that's like okay she definitely I think plays into that and knows what she's doing but I think she also makes space for a lot of a lot of really interesting things and certainly in burlesque we're you know we're really indebted to her yeah Mm -hmm. so what do you think okay if we're talking about like the origins of burlesque and kind of the heart of what kind of burlesque is and where it got started what do you think what is the main difference between say burlesque and say stripping that's so hard and such a hard question for people. It's a question where certain <laughs> certain people in burlesque would be like, oh, my God, I can't answer that. And also and some strippers do, too. And I've I mean, like I, you know, like I've I've studied this a lot. And I, I mean, like I so I've never worked as a stripper. And I feel like it's important to own that mm-hmm. um, for reasons that are mostly uh, that are that are really personal. Um Mm-hmm. But, you know, also intersect with the with like sort of the basics of what what a stripping job entails, which is things like um, basically a strong 
ability for sales. Mm-hmm. It's a sales hustle, dominated hustle, hustle. field. Yeah, exactly. Like burlesque, like our compensation is not contingent on like how well we hustle mm-hmm. in the crowd after. It's fully just like, you know, the product you're getting, you book it, you pay for it. Mm-hmm. Some shows, you know, require that you spend a little bit of time mingling, but really that's like up to you and no one's like holding you fast to that. Or you get like a tip on top of your wage exactly. or your salary. You get a tip based on you hustling. Like exactly. If, how many but pe- during the performance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like, I mean, even oh. just on social media beforehand, mm-hmm. like if, if you make posts and things like that mm-hmm. and the more people that attend the show, mm, a lot right. of burlesque people uh, here in Toronto anyways. Like a promo thing. Yeah. yeah we'll get uh, based on the volume of people attending the show they'll get an extra tip based on that. So that does kind of include an element of hustle Mm -hmm. that you will reap like actual money from. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But not nearly as much so as a stripper you're saying. No, no. Well, like I think there's other things too, right? Like, I mean, like even just, I mean, money is, for me the big difference how much you make and also how much you spend um like burlesque costumes are so expensive are so you know like time consuming and yeah not to say the strippers costumes aren't but like that that but you could wear you could wear a pair of pleasers the same pair of pleasers for the next year exactly until they break basically which they do all the time but like (laughs) or or you know you could um if you are, say, like a feature dancer, right, or someone who would have like a really opulent costume, right. you you spend a lot probably on that costume, but you certainly make it back and you use it a ton. Yes. Whereas, so, yeah. Whereas, yeah. So you're saying essentially strippers make more. Just yeah. Spend less, make more. You're, you, I mean, typically, you're if you're a stripper, you're there because you want to see financial gains from doing that. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You think? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, I would it's think less so. art based. Um, I don't know. Okay, so like reasons why I, I also have trouble with these questions is that yeah. I think. Um, Joe Weldon or Joe Boobs in New York City, she runs the New York School of Burlesque, had, had a really great quote that I um, uh, that she said during a talk I saw her give at uh, BurleyCon, which is a burlesque convention in Seattle. Yes. I, I was lucky to go to this year. And she was saying, um, she said something like, the trouble with like making assertions about like burlesque versus stripping or whatever, whatever, is that like every strip club is so different and every you know what I mean just like every burlesque show is really different so and every make, burlesque performer and every stripper exactly right so when we different. make like a sweeping statement about like yeah. the nature of stripping like there are certainly sort of general truths mm-hmm. but they they don't even apply to every strip club like For sure. um I was reading a book right now and it's, it's becoming part of my dissertation because my dissertation is about exoticism so it's about the ways that bodies who are read as as ethnically othered um are, are read in, in like a neo-burlesque perspective and I compare it through history to now. Mm-hmm. Um, Can you even explain, just explain that for me? What break, that is? Break that down a little bit. Okay, so we talked a lot about, <laughs> we talked a lot about Lydia Thompson, the British Blondes. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly thereafter, maybe about like, I would say about 20 years after, ye, roughly, um, in 1893, um, a really important event happened in Chicago, which was the Chicago World Fair. Mm-hmm. Um, and this event had a huge sort of... Um, I guess, like, ability to reshape the way that performing and performance genres happened um, in North America thereafter. Mm -hmm. Part of this was because uh, part of the World Fair was that they would bring in attractions from different parts of the world. The idea was that you could go to this fair and experience the whole globe in this one little location. Mm -hmm. Something similar to, I mean, it certainly wasn't, but the idea was much like maybe, like, Epcot at Disney or something. Like, this kind of, like, taste it all, whatever, whatever. But all of it is, you know fabricated and super whatever and it's not like an authentic mm-hmm. interpretation of each culture exactly yeah um and one of the most uh the one of the most popular attractions was uh this little area called a street in cairo mm-hmm. and there there were a series well there's a lot of um there's a lot of different points of contention about this but there was um 
a series of dancers who were all working under a pseudonym entitled Little Egypt. Okay. Sorry, I like started with that Little Egypt. Yeah. And uh, basically, the big like importance of that was that uh, this is the moment when like belly dancing is introduced to North America, and mm-hmm. people lost their minds mm-hmm. because. Um, you have to remember, like at this period of time, it was like a, the Victorian era in Europe. So people were like so corseted covered. and so wearing covered. bustles and so like no dancing. Like maybe like the best you have is like maybe a piano, which like one mem- member of the family can play and everything is very calm. People are terrified of any sort of like real expression of sexuality. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and like the belly dance costumes then were nothing like they are now. They, it was like, the, the women were fully covered too, but they were just in loose clothing that showed their form and showed their like undulations. Mm-hmm. And people really like flipped out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that in combination with, um, unfortunately, aspects of minstrel shows, mm-hmm. like blackface minstrel shows that were happening in the States, yep. amalgamated together to sort of become a part of burlesque theaters, which... By the so the Chicago Fair happened in 1893. Um, by the early 20th century, uh, burlesque shows were like sort of were working class um, entertainment form, mm-hmm. predominantly for male audiences, mm-hmm. and uh, they were originally comedy shows with like with like comics, not really stand up comics, more like um, like Abbott and, and Costello. Okay, yeah, yeah, started in burlesque actually. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a you burlesque was the lowest tier. Mm-hmm. You worked really hard in burlesque and you maybe made your way to vaudeville mm-hmm. was like the way it worked. Mm-hmm. And uh, so eventually um, cooch dancers or hoochie cooch dancers, mm-hmm. which sort of comes from that little Egypt tradition and other orientalist traditions that are happening, um, become a part of the show. Mm-hmm. And eventually at some point, and this is contested by a lot of people, those dancers began to strip. Mm-hmm. Became to? Began to strip. <laughs> um and this was mixed with other with other elements of like black social dance, like things like uh, shimmies and shakes and like which were popularized by people like Mae West. Mm-hmm. And so in neo burlesque, what happens is and I'm, I'm really skipping forward and leaving a lot out. Mm-hmm. Um, neo burlesque is interesting in that it, it merges the comics and the strippers into mm-hmm. one uniform uh, act. Mm-hmm. Not to say that wasn't happening before. Like a lot of the sort of post-war burlesque, or even as early as Gypsy Rose Lee, was like inherently very funny. Very funny, yeah. Um, but that you're that you're really like bringing both of those together. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, but also that neo burlesque, you know, continues to carry some of these kinds of like these um, exotic quote unquote where we get the roots of the word of the words exotic dance, mm-hmm. like regarding strippers. Um, sort of undertones that continue to be reperformed, mm-hmm. and that those um, that those readings affect different performers differently, especially in divides between performers who read as white and performers who read as people of color or POC, mm-hmm. or even just as ethnically diverse. Like that, this affects even people who are, you know, like European. Like maybe like that someone who is Spanish is, is you know, sort of like the expectation is that you're playing to that, or like like I'm Portuguese almost entirely, and like. Mm-hmm. I don't think people know how to ask me to play Portuguese, but mm. but it certainly is a is a way that like is a way that I'm kind of read or like asked to rearticulate, especially because like I'm quite dark and so a lot of people assume that I'm Middle Eastern off the get go. And so like when I began uh, burlesque, especially like a couple years ago, mm-hmm. I think this is a little bit different now for the better, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, there was like a huge amount of pressure to like play into this thing that wasn't even like. Uh, you know, like it is a little bit like them. There's a part of my culture that's um, 
that is like kind of like of Arab descent, but it's quite far back. Mm-hmm. It colors me, but it's not like my cultural experience for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but this sort of like idea that I could play to what I presented like and that mm-hmm. I'd be comfortable with that or that I wanted to do that mm-hmm. um, was incredibly uncomfortable and really like pushed my project to be what it is now. Interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. Because you, that's uh, bringing it back to drag. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another thing that is very prevalent in drag. I yes, feel like yes, yes. the way somebody presents ethnically, mm-hmm. um, they can use that for comedic purposes. Use mm-hmm. it, like they can really push that yeah. if they so choose to. And it's like, ooh, it can get you in some kind of murky territory. Totally. But also, like, you know, no shade for people like, like some people find it really celebratory to reclaim that that too yeah. because like yeah. there on is the flip side exactly yeah. right so like mm-hmm. it's a, it's not it's not a thing for one to be able to prescribe mm-hmm. um but certainly like you know that there that there are real consequences that historically have always been a thing that are and are affecting people even today like i mean i was listening to the podcast before i came on to my podcast yeah, oh yeah don't worry <laughs> I'm a researcher by trade. Like, oh, that's true. I, you yeah, know what you I mean? probably listen to all of them. Yeah. yeah, yeah well, yeah. I mean, like, there's a lot. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, and I definitely took extra special attention to friends of mine who had been in yeah. previous episodes. So, like... Like who? Let's like, plug some well, like, Oh, I was just getting to, um, <laughs> like, Jeannie Emerald's episode where yes. she talks about what it's like to be dark-skinned and a black woman and working in burlesque. And yes. so, like... Like, I mean, for her, that history is so ingrained, is so long running and is so and is so like really problematic deeply down to, you know, what dancers used to be able to get paid down to where they get booked. And frankly, even now, like in the corporate sector. Um, where people can and can't work. And I mean, like, Jeannie, mm-hmm. I mean, like, Jeannie does a lot of wonderful corporate work and she is so beautiful and articulate and fabulous. Yes, but all those like, things. Exactly, right? Yeah. Um, and so I can't speak to exactly, like, what she's experienced or hasn't, but just knowing that this is, like, a really pervasive thing for so many people in the industry. For sure. Especially, like, um, where just, shadism. Yeah, just down to, in. like, do I want to book a black performer in this slot? Like, do I already have I already have a black performer but also so like I how messed book, up is that you know, that's like, what I'm saying yeah, like, like okay. down to like uh, yeah th- just all the ways mm-hmm. that people of color can be affected mm-hmm. in this industry like right down to like do I want a black person here mm, no I think I we just had a black performer so let's have you know like just mm-hmm. they have to be peppered in some like just all these stupid little considerations mm-hmm. that uh, people who are not of color uh, will make like at the drop of the hat on on any whim and that to it's book or not right yeah, yeah to book or not book people of color it's um and even things like I think that boils down to um, there's a really incredible scholar whose work I, I really admire uh, named Siobhan Brooks mm-hmm. and um, in her book, Unequal Desires, I think it's called like Race and Erotic Capital or something like that. It's about it's about strip clubs and the way that they function. Mm-hmm. Um, and she coins this term uh, called erotic capital. Mm-hmm. And the way that she basically explains that is like, well, how much are you worth in the erotic market? Mm. So uh, that's not actually about like how many people on an actual level are or are not attracted to you or how many feet. Like it's kind of a check and balance with things like... Um, Basically, like visible race, hmm. body size, uh, physical ability or disability, and sort of checking and balancing all those things um, in the way that you're read. So that the woman who is the feature dancer, typically, or the woman who's like doing really well, especially in mainstream corporatized strip clubs, mm-hmm. 
is typically, you know, a white, lean, able-bodied, lean woman with probably a certain chest or bum size, mm-hmm. um, with a certain kind, with certain kinds of features, and with a certain kind of performability, performability or performance style. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see that, you know, all through the media and all through sure. like the kind of the world, but. Certainly as much as burlesque, what's amazing about burlesque mm-hmm. um, is how incredibly radical it is in dismantling those things. Yeah, I agree. That might be yeah. one of, if we're going to get back to kind of the yeah. difference between the stripper sphere and mm-hmm. the burlesquing world, I think that that might be it. The mm-hmm. burlesque, at least now and at least here in Toronto, mm-hmm. really liberal city, uh we're seeing different body types. We're seeing people with different skin colors. We're seeing different levels of uh, being uh, disabled or uh, from being disabled to being able-bodied, mm-hmm. uh, different ages. We're seeing a lot more diversity as to like representations of beauty mm-hmm. um, and sexiness um, and perhaps not seeing that so much in like the stripper uh, world. For sure. Like, and I mean, and that those those checks and balances change depending on different factors, right? We're like, uh, typically, if you're a white performer and you're a stripper, you can be a lot older and still be working mm-hmm. versus like, um, mm, you know, yeah. like women who read of color or like or like uh, darker skinned black women, especially typically, I mean, from conversations I've had with people mm-hmm. ca- can't work as long because it's like too many checks and balances that don't add up to what the club feels uh, like too many intersections yeah too many too one many or, one too or many two negative okay. in air quotes intersections right, right yeah yeah which um, i mean hopefully is not a thing but also like to be aware that as much as burlesque is so progressive that certainly there are shows that keep up that idea of erotic capital certainly there are shows that profit off of that sure um and i think you know it's just like being realistic with ourselves about the fact that they exist and how to mitigate or navigate around them is an important aspect as a as a burlesque dancer and community advocate i think we all have to kind of keep in mind for sure for sure and yeah. as uh show producers like yeah yourself oh my and gosh right. yourself and i yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually i've never produced really oh i yeah. thought you did a you're doing a burlesque I do, okay, series so i right? produce i don't produce a burlesque series mm. which is like i mean confusing maybe but you're uh, like i do and i don't but <laughs> yes exactly like, yeah. we would we actually haven't booked burlesque yet we're really excited to cool. um but I produce a, a, a feminist cabaret called mm. Creme de la Femme. Mm. Um, we're really, yeah, we're really lucky to be a part of uh, the Buddies Pride season this year. I think Amazing. we're on June 14th, if I have that correct. <gasps> that's my birthday, if that's correct. Oh my God, please come. <laughs> we should like, we should what be like, yeah. Party. Like, that would be you. my thing that I get all my friends to come yes, see this please. year. Oh my God, it would be so wonderful. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Um, and the way that it works is uh, Creme de la Femme is basically, it's it, the the purpose is to bring people in who, are, who identify as performers of any kind mm-hmm to uh, discuss their relationship with femininity as a radical counter to a a sort of like patriarchal kind of like uh, lens. Yeah. Um, Which I think so much of the rest of the work is in. Mm -hmm. Um, Part of what makes us really radical is that we're really open to anyone being in that conversation or applying. So we actually, we have no uh, gender or sexuality limit on who can apply. Love it. So, um, you know, and part of that was so that we could encourage people who maybe didn't feel like they were femme or effeminate mm-hmm. to still talk about uh, femininity because mm-hmm. in doing that, um, we hope that they would be able to build a relationship with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause, because I think so many of us, especially people who are mask or mask presenting or, or, or feel attracted to masculinity or performing or embodying masculinity, either because they've been conditioned to like a lot of cis men yep. or because, you know, like th- that's where they feel right. Like a lot of uh, trans men or maybe non-binary people. Mm-hmm. Um, taking that in, like taking a certain level of performing patriarchy 
actually does, I think, real damage to the spirit because it cuts you off from other elements of yourself that I think need drastic attention. Mm -hmm. Things like vulnerability and expression and Mm -hmm. compassion, you know, and like these kinds of very, yeah, yeah, like I maybe. So I, I read those as effeminate gestures. Maybe other people don't. And I also, like, I'm gendering these things. They don't mm-hmm. have to be They're gendered. human characteristics. They're exactly. They're not innately he- male or female. It's our culture that's made them female characteristics. And exactly, right? And caring and, yeah. But also, like, that sucks. <laughs> and like, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, so the idea is that people can, can come together and express themselves and have a place to try new material and uh, be vulnerable together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we, we're, we're open to everything. We're really open to burlesque. We're still... We're still we um we have we've had people apply but we haven't accepted a burlesque act yet mm-hmm. that's just because every time we have a theme and we look for the, basically the pieces that speak most directly to the theme yeah um so the theme for this year at pride is is um getting wet quote Ooh. unquote which we thought would be like sexy and fun and yes. like people could really run with but also could be like your first time in swimming class. Yeah, yeah. The first galoshes you bought. Yeah, you um, can extrapolate yeah, like, whatever you want. Whatever from you want. That theme. Like you That's can lovely. read them. They are meant to be like super, super, super general. Yeah, great. Um, love it. And hopefully, yeah, like we're really excited to see where that goes. But it's it's our biggest stage yet, so we're very excited to kind Yay. of like welcome that challenge i guess amazing well congratulations i can't wait to see it um i don't think i can talk too much longer Mm -hmm. without talking about my sponsors of course (laughs) hey sponsors um first of all i've got uh let's let's see how big are your wrists they're little ones you got a little wrist oh yeah let's get this little (laughs) guy on here okay this is a beautiful double cuff bracelet by unicorn collaborators so let's show that off there that's a gorgeous little yeah yeah oh beautiful beautiful um and the fun thing about this little leather cuff is if we put it on this way oh it's cool and we put one of these cuffs on you give me your other hand oh my god (laughs) wow little wrist big oh hands. little wrist baby and then we do that up we've got you in this gorgeous <laughs> little pair of handcuffs yeah yes work so it's a little bit like uh bondage on the go wow <laughs> a little king on the go you know oh, very cool We'll help you get out of there. Oh, oh it's okay. Oh, oh got yes. it. Thank you. And uh, what is great about Unicorn Collaborators, this, of course, is just one of their many, many uh, innovative designs. They really like to kind of incorporate fashion, both and uh, useful kink uh, wear. Um, one thing they're really into is making products for a variety of body types. Oh, cool. They're very diverse. So they make a lot of different sizes, or if it's just uh, one different type of a design, it's going to be super, super adjustable. And the other thing they want people to know is that uh, they also do a lot of custom pieces. So if in all the sizes that they are offering you, you're still not finding your exact size, they're into custom work for you. Um, and I'm going to take out my little, uh, my cute little business holder, business card holder that Unicorn Collaborators made for me. Um, and get one of their cards out here to tell you that you can email them at unicorncollaborators at gmail.com. You can go on their Facebook page uh, slash Unicorn Collaborators. They're on Twitter at uCollaborators. Um, and they also have an Etsy shop, one word, Unicorn Collaborators. You can DM them, um, PM them, everything M them. Uh, if you're interested about inquiries for any of their lovely products. And uh, speaking of Unicorn Collaborators, one of the places that they are selling their products are uh, is at 
comeasyouare.com, which is a fantastic trans-owned, trans-operated sex shop uh, located on the interwebs, but is based here in Toronto. Uh, what's great about uh, comeasyouare.com is that they are feminists, they're anti-capitalist, and they want to give you the best products that they're only 100% behind at the lowest price possible. And uh, to prove that to you, uh, they're going to offer a 15% discount. If you check out at comeasyouare.com, say with one of these little lovely cuffs by Unicorn Collaborators, and you put in the coupon code BEDPOST, that's B-E-D-P-O-S-T, all one word, you'll get 15% off. And also here in uh, Canada, if you order over $50 worth a, worth a shit, that you're going to get free shipping and handling. And then uh, lastly, uh, but not leastly, Sultana, have you been to Oasis Aqua Lounge? I have. Yeah. <laughs> Our third sponsor is Oasis, oh my God. which is located at 231 Mutual Street here in Toronto. They're a sex club, um, but they are kind of more like a spa, dance club, dungeon. Uh, they're, they're everything. They've mm-hmm. got the heated pool. They've got the sauna. They've got the hot tub. So many different things at the facility here in Toronto. Um, and basically, they're... Not they are a community hub for all sex positive folks, be it like entertainers, educators, um, and uh, they're also a uh, talking about inclusivity and diversity. They're a welcome of all gender orientations and sexualities there, and they are also a uh, shame free, judgment free um, venue for any type of play that you happen to want to happen between two consenting adults. Wow! Um, so go to <laughs> Oasis Aqua Lounge. Dot com um, to check out more about this uh, awesome sex club that we have here in Toronto. And Sultana, hello, hey. hello, my darling, hello. <laughs> Let me take a, a little, oh, yeah. a little <laughs> swigaroonie. So I would like to talk to you about um, the art of the tease. Um, how bold? <laughs> um, what I would love to talk about mm. is how people can kind of incorporate striptease into their sex lives into their bedrooms um and i'd love to discuss with you kind of like what mm-hmm. are the different uh positives people can you know what are the lovely things that people can can get out of uh having one partner stripping for another or multiple partners <laughs> if you're into that um uh, starting with like starting with maybe some do you have some tips and tricks for people that perhaps feel a little shy or a little nervous um, in stripping for their partner, but mm-hmm. they want to, do you have any place that maybe someone can start if they want to perform a striptease for their hubby wubby? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Um, I think the first way to like assuade any kind of like anxieties somebody might have is to always remind yourself that like, so often stripping is funny yeah and if anything fucks up you will laugh. be forgiven just laugh and nobody cares <laughs> exactly right like things will get caught like <laughs> yes real people clothes are not like burlesque costumes like yes. they they y- your open. hair will get caught in your shirt exactly. when you're trying to take it 100 percent. or your pants are like they're not going to come off easily or yeah. it's going to be weird or whatever yeah your jeans will always get stuck at your ankle yeah and it's always weird <laughs> the ankle part is always like the worst part of everybody's like and if you still have a sock on after then you feel like you're like oh what have oh. i done kind of thing like it's all good um don't stress about it like yeah, i would say just like give it a bunch of time yeah um 
also do it when you're ready too. like mm-hmm. take your time with your partner. It doesn't have to be a thing that you're like into on the first date. I think seduction also takes confidence with who you're with. Right. Like, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. so the comfortability between two people. Yeah. Exactly. This might be a thing to kind of wait until you're comfortable with the Mm -hmm. other person yeah and I mean everyone's different too like some people are like right there right from the get-go for me like a one-night stand or a first time like there's there are too many other factors that I'm considering before I can be really focused on like performing with for with and for somebody yeah um and so it's about kind of like waiting it out feeling out your partner Mm -hmm. asking questions without making it weird like just like figuring out and sussing out what they like what the viewer wants to see exactly like do you want a slow sensual tease do you want this to be like a coyote ugly thing like what is your like where are you at um as the as the receiver of that kind of attention so for perhaps don't i i know maybe the instinct might be Mm -hmm. to surprise the other partner (laughs) you know with a strip tease but you're saying maybe it, it, probably the quality of the striptease and the the uh, experience that the two of you are having is going to be heightened and is only going to be better by a little bit of communication beforehand about it. For sure, and yeah. also you can do it in way like you. It can still be a surprise. Like you yeah, can as still, to when you do it exactly yeah, or yeah. how or yeah. like there are ways to ask some of those clarifying questions without being like you know that on Thursday this will be a thing that we're going to do <laughs> or whatever. Like I think there's still a lot of ways to keep uh, to keep an element of sort of like suspense about it, but. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, ultimately, at the end of the day, you're taking a leap, right? And it's mm-hmm. you stripping, like, so it's really, like, with a consensual partner that you have a rapport with, it's probably not going to, like... Bomb too badly. Exactly. <laughs> like, you'll be fine. You'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. 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 And um, what do you think are some of the positive things that can happen uh, out of this type of an experience for either the person performing or the person receiving the striptease? Um, for the person performing... I think what's really lovely is, I mean, and it's silly, but right. Like, so I think often our attention is so divided. Mm-hmm. Um, even as a performer who works regularly, like, you know, on the scene or whatever, mm-hmm. even there, if a partner visits me, like, which has only happened like a small handful of times, mm-hmm. um, their attention is still divided because it's like, I do my number and that's great. And then there's like, you know, seven other people that are going to do They're theirs, doing numbers right? That night. Yeah. And we're out and we're, you know, maybe you're having a drink, maybe you're not, maybe you're talking to someone there, like... There are, and the rest of the time, I think, like, you know, social media and various technologies keep us really, like, in and out of the world at the same time. Yes. Um, and so I think, really, the most beneficial thing about striptease within the bedroom is that both people are fully focused on each other. Mm-hmm. And that How fully, often does that happen? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And also that they're fully focused in a state that's pre, um, that's pre-getting down to it. I think we lose a lot of, like, um, desire in the world that we live in now, like things are so quick and things are really yes, immediate. Immediate gratification. Yeah. And like, I mean, like for where's me personally, the, where's the not. tease? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that like, I mean, like I miss, like I'm, I miss the days of like a long term slow yeah. flirt. Yeah. Like it's always better once you get to it. If you've, for me anyway, if you've built up that kind of like um that kind of sexual tension, yes. like that's amazing. Yes. And so that's even, I mean, that's even longer than just the strip use itself. That's like a long dedicated process of being, of, of holding off just enough. Yes. And knowing when then like the coming together. Then like at that point it becomes like a tidal wave, right? Yeah. And I think there's so few spaces, especially for, for women and femmes, um, where we get to sit in our own power before, especially like say, and this is also like, this is within the primer of something like, you know, fairly heterosexual or something like feminine mask or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many of those spaces we're giving over our our bodies and our time and our power to a partner. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I think that especially when, you know, especially pre-burlesque and pre-being in more sex-positive communities, that was actually worse Mm -hmm. when I was dating and when I was dating or sleeping around in those kinds of like spheres. Mm -hmm. Like there was no real sense of um, of me being able to command something. uh, For a long time, I felt uh, once I once we had started kind of doing the deed. Mm -hmm. So the before for me always felt like the most powerful part. Mm -hmm. And so I think I still like, you know, carry this thing with me where I'm afraid to lose that just before where all the potential in the world is still on the table mm-hmm. um and so i think for me yeah like playing in that space or reintroducing it and remembering that it hasn't gone away mm-hmm. and that it can only you know develop or strengthen with yourself with other partners with new people mm-hmm. um and i think uh yeah. as you're saying kind of creating a space like mm-hmm. like creating you are in your bedroom or your living room whatever with mm-hmm. your partner um, that you know hopefully this is a person you feel comfortable and safe yeah. and lovely around like so I think there's something to be said about creating this physical space where I am going to indulge you know mm-hmm. in my sensuality and my sexiness in this connection we're having between mm-hmm. there's just the two of us here in this room mm-hmm. and we're actually creating this space for for me to express myself for you to receive it mm-hmm. and for us to connect you know that there's something very valuable there mm. um that it doesn't exist in a lot of places yes you know around so i think that that there's great value in that yeah and i think also can totally be achieved as well in casual like partnerships like yeah. this is not like you know it's not it's not um it's not limited only to long-term partners or yeah. people you build a rapport with. Like you can find that with people, but it's a it, it comes from a mutual place of both of you wanting to be there and yeah. being attentive enough to be able to be there. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you have any any kind of tricks for people getting out of their regular non-burlesque tear-off <laughs> clothing um, that might be oh helpful f- to people, so they're not like being feeling so awkward and kind of stumbly. Even as we said, there's mm-hmm. a lot of there's a lot of great things that can happen out of like humor mm-hmm. in this situation. Is there are there any tips though that you can give for like taking off the bra or taking off the or doing stuff and like I mean okay so are there balance like I can see taking off pants and just like <laughs> and just like flopping just over or something like that yeah. yeah I mean like you would apply I think you would apply some of the things you do in a burlesque act to you know like to your bedroom striptease where yeah. you're like oh you're thinking about a lot of factors like maybe you should maybe you should <laughs> if this is planned for sure and even if it's not like maybe it's you maybe, practice it's well yeah or it's just a good practice to be familiar with how your clothes work at all times uh, like yeah. you know what i mean yeah, like, how, how often have i actually paid attention to the way i've taken this shirt off exactly or like oh this one has really weird buttons yes i should be familiar yes. with the buttons exactly yeah 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 or you're like you're like oh yeah it's this kind of bra or it's like this is a back zip this tends yeah. to get caught here and there Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just be aware. Yo, yeah. What bra am I wearing? Yeah. yeah. And do I know how to get out mm-hmm. of this bra? <laughs> and if you're in performance mode when you're doing it, you're also simultaneously, you're thinking about what you're wearing and how it works, mm-hmm. but you're also thinking about where you're at and what you need from the space. Yeah. So if you're taking off your pants and you're worried about wobbling to your death, you know, which is like a thing. <laughs> That maybe you find you ensure to or you ensure to get to a point in the room where you can find yourself with some kind of grounding, some maybe, kind of chair, like, yeah, or yeah, you're at the edge of the bed, or you've yeah. got a hand on the wall, like you 
you put yourself in that sexy position. It's totally calculated. No one needs to know. And like, you know, like, and you can figure it out from then. But like, you're just being, you you know, it's like one eye on the prize and one sort of like planning strategically for what might happen. You're the producer. You're both the producer (laughs) and the performer. I mean, that's why sometimes it's, it's still a little bit work. Like I think, you know, you've got to be in the right place for that with the partner. There are days where you're like, I'm not going to orchestrate the striptease for you today. It's a Tuesday. (laughs) Or it's like, you know, I just got home from a gig. Like I need to rip off these eyelashes and go to sleep. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's funny. What I what I like to do, um, I teach a class at Oasis uh-huh. that's like a lap dance or a chair dance class. Right. Oh my so my favorite cheat. I'm mm-hmm. not great in heels. I'm not. And it has mm-hmm. to be like a very specific heel that I can walk in. Right. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in a pair that is just like so sexy and working for the outfit, but like I, I can't walk that well mm-hmm. in them. I for real cannot do my usual like. Thing. I have I have a lot of dance training. I like I but you would not know it. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> if I'm wearing like a pair of heels that yeah. I can't fucking walk in, right? Uh-huh. So like my favorite sheet is to do a chair dance. So you always have you essentially always can have one hand on the chair mm-hmm. to steady yourself you can walk around that chair you can like drop it beside mm-hmm. the chair but essentially you always have the chair like Grip. as a security as like a safety blanket like for balance <laughs> i think of like when you learn to skate i don't know if you ever had this and they sometimes will give you a literal chair, chair to like go around on the ice <laughs> so you're me. holding something like for dear life that's me in stripper shoes for sure oh no you gotta just get the right stripper shoes I mean like maybe you don't I don't know I have a I pair that has shoes. I have a pair that has like a thick 90s heel mm-hmm. like a chunky yeah. heel yeah, yeah. which I'm great in those but like the traditional pleasers that are like, like shlunk that like heel yeah. like not good no ma'am yeah I have like weird I think because I, I did a lot of ballet when I was young. So oh, I, cool. I've developed kind of a bit of premature arthritis, like oh, no. in my big toes. Like, mm-hmm. so uh, to flex in a certain way, I just can't. Can't do it at I all. I just can't. Yeah. Unless yeah. it's like low enough or I feel sturdy enough that all yeah. my weight isn't pressing like on that big toe. Anyways, Oy. tangent. Oy. Oh, oh God. good. No, I um, can imagine now. Um, great. So mm. we're pretty much a time. Cool. Uh, um, are you able to tell the world um, <laughs> any things you have coming up in the future? Anything you would like to plug or any places on the interwebs uh, or here in Toronto that people can come and see you? Yeah, totally. Uh, my uh, Instagram is at um, Sultana Burlesque. Um, I have a website that's launching soon. It's not out yet, but it will be out soon. Um, and my Facebook page is the same. It's Sultana Burlesque. Uh, where is my next appearance? I'm doing a show... Um, the soonest one I can think of where I'm performing as a burlesque dancer mm-hmm. is on June 24th. Mm. It's a tr- it's a tragically hipped um, <gasps> tribute show. It's called Tragically Stripped. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it'll be like it'll be dumb and wonderful and great. Who's um, producing that? That's Scarlett Laflamme, and Lovely. she's wonderful. She does some really really interesting evocative shows. I love that. Uh, and uh, please come and check out Creme de la Femme we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be on I believe it's June fourteenth. Mm-hmm. It's part of the the Pride Buddy season on the the Thursday of the Pride Week. Awesome. Um, and uh, beyond that, really like the Toronto Burlesque Festival will be the other time to see me. That's mm-hmm. all the way in July though, so we got time. Amazing. There will probably be more, you know, sooner dates. And those will be Which on will your be website. On you're, on, you're, you're on Instagram, you're yep. on Facebook, and Facebook all and all that. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. At Sultana sure. Burlesque. Yeah. Fantastic. Me. Okay, great. Um, one of the things I have to say, um, 
First of all, if you want to uh, go to bedpost.ca, that's probably the best way to keep up with all the shows that are happening. If you're here in Toronto and want to see our stage show, we do it twice a month now. Uh, third Friday of every month at Social Capital Theatre at 8 and the last Tuesday of every month at the Super Wonder Gallery at 9. If you're watching us on YouTube, um, a great thing you can do for me and my business is to subscribe. <laughs> Wink, love you. Um, if you're listening to us on iTunes or another podcasting platform to rate and review, uh, same thing does a lot of uh, good stuff for bedpost the business um if you uh uh oh want to go to instagram i'm the bedpost sex show on instagram that's probably the my favorite place uh to be as far as social media so i like post a lot of fun and sexy stuff daily um and you'll uh find out lots of stuff about the stage show um and also uh here at the podcast um for all our amazing uh, podcasting uh, studio content, uh, as well as all our YouTube content, it's all happening um, for, uh, thanks to, I'm like, go, go, go. it's all happening thanks to Eggplant Media um, and all the folks here at the Pacific Junction. So big thanks, as always, goes out to them. Uh, also, the Sonar Network is the podcasting network I'm on. So check out the other uh, podcasts on the network. And also, as always, a big thanks goes out to them. Lastly, uh, if you're listening to the audio podcast on a podcasting platform, our original music is by Steph Copeland, who can be found on her website, stephcopelandmusic.com. I want to thank you again, Sultana, for coming and speaking with me today. And oh my gosh. Oh gosh. I love your hair's down now. I know. Yeah, it's Let's always give, give up and down. Flip. It's like constant. I love it. It's like a lot. I'm just a hairy person, really. I got hair, girl. <laughs> um, and I just want to thank everyone for listening and watching. And we will see you next week. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!